This podcast is brought to you by OnTrack Studio. Welcome back to Mind Your Head. Now, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The bad news is this is the final episode of season one. And since this is the season finale, I've decided to do something special. This will be a reunion episode. I've got Sophie, Chris, Brock, Lefiz, my dad, all returning. The good news is that we'll be back for season two with some incredible guests. I do want to take this opportunity to thank everyone um, for showing all their support, um, tuning in to all the episodes over this first season. It's been truly overwhelming and it's been honestly one of the best experiences of my life. I can't thank you all enough. This is Mind Your Head, Roundtable Edition. Welcome back, everyone, to Mind Your Head. Hello, Ellie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to talk first. Thanks for the, thanks for the invitation. Yeah, I thought you were when talking to the answer, listeners. When I normally yeah. ask that question, they say, oh, yeah, good to be here. Yeah. <laughs> good to be back. Yeah. We were just trying to be polite and not talk over you, Elliot. Yeah. You, know? so you, you can, can have a talk, longer though. Intro. Yeah. I love it because it's like, don't talk to everyone. Everyone's like, who, yeah. who goes first? Because <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to speak over top anyway. Uh, Dad was like, Brock, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hey, what you, bro? Answer. Fucking <laughs> 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 oh, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks, Al. What's it like being back in the studio? Does it bring up any past emotions or feelings? I know the last time you were in the studio, um, it was a pretty vulnerable and emotional chat that we had. Um, yeah, does it, has it brought up any past feelings or emotions? It's all positive for me. That was one of the most positive conversations I think I've had and, you know, overdue. So for me, it was coming back here is great. Mm. Yeah, I'm probably the same as Brent actually. Dug into a lot of feelings and emotions that I haven't done before and when I left, I was actually, I was pretty emotionally drained but mm. I think moving on from that, it's definitely been a positive reflection. Awesome. Any, any feedback from your episodes? I know... Someone sent you a nice message. Yeah. Did you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, that was a pretty nice message. She, I won't name her, but mm. yeah, someone messaged me, I knew from school, and just said these really nice things about me as a person at school and then uh, how her chats motivated her to go speak to someone about her losing a loved one and whatnot, which was really nice to hear. Yeah. I think I actually got a bit teary when I read it. Did you? Yeah, it was pretty nice. Yeah. yeah it was good. It was. Uh, it made me feel good because I was real nervous doing the podcast mm. and then I was like waiting, seeing like yeah. what, what people will think or whatever and then like I think she sent that a day or two after and it was just, it was really nice to see it had an effect on someone. Well, I remember we had a chat and I remember you said to me, why would anyone want to listen to my story? Mm. And you didn't think that anyone could resonate with it or anything like that. Yeah. And now that sort of proves the point that yeah. you've helped someone. Yeah. Good. Same with me. I mean, people who contacted me, especially family. Mm. I mean, I thought I was the only one in my family with those thoughts. <laughs> Everyone had the same thoughts. Mm. And even friends have contacted me and said, you're not going to believe how many other people of my age are going through the same thing and have been through the same thing. So I guess it's just helped them be aware that uh, we all aren't alone. Yeah. And it just means, if it means we have to tap someone and have a chat, then so be it. I, I had cousins I didn't know I had. I know. Me. Did yeah. mum tell you that? I saw it. I, 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 
Yeah. yeah. It says, hey, Elliot Cuzzy. And I was like, yeah. Cuzzy? Yeah. <laughs> who, the, who are you? And that, and that was good. She, and she does a similar... Did you know who that is? Yeah. Oh, cool. All oh, right. Yeah. And she does a sort of a sort of similar, similar, similar thing with mentoring people. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And something you mentioned to me regarding Leffert's episode, the first thing you said to me was, I just want to go and give Leff as a big hug. Yeah. What was it that he mentioned that... Was it the dad thing? I think so. I, I think it was a combination of not having a dad there mm. to give a cuddle. And I think you would stay at our place that often and that many yeah. times and we'd had that many bears together Yeah, that I thought I could step up. Yeah. And I wasn't here. Yeah. So uh, I missed that opportunity. Uh, you, well, he did message me as well, one yeah. and a half. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was a good feeling. Yeah. I, I mean, I... Yeah, I, I yeah. thought it was an opportunity to get to get. We'll make. Well, you've always been like, yeah. not to be cringy, yeah. but like, <laughs> you have been like a male yeah. figure in yeah. my life, yeah. and the same with your dad, Rob. Mm. So it's it's good. I'll give um, you a hug afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, in our episode, you mentioned that sort of after your breakup um, down in Goldie, you pretty much got a whole new friends group, and I recognise you as someone that's can make friends so easily. Deep down, does that come naturally for you or did you struggle making new friends and how different is it making friends when you're a kid versus being an adult? Yeah, I think when I was a kid it was a lot easier. I was just kind of like always like the party boy guy, you know. Like I had, I'd always have like really big parties for all my birthdays and um, have everyone around for that. So it was just like easy for me to make mates. I was kind of like, it was hard when I was younger because I was sort of, you know, still learning English and mm. figuring all that stuff out. But sort of when I found my feet kind of, you know, when I was around 15, 16, I think it was a lot easier for me to start making friends. And yeah, just through all the parties and stuff, I think that's kind of how I picked it up and through playing rugby and, and doing that sort of stuff. Um, I think now it's probably a little bit different for me, like... I'm probably a little bit more reserved, like in my older age, I think. A little bit more nervous, a little bit more like anxious, I think, as well. Um, you know, when you're a kid, you're kind of fearless and you're just out there like just doing your thing. But I think now it's more sort of protecting myself and looking after myself. So, yeah, so I find it a little bit harder to make friends, but still like, yeah, still. Because I remember you said still to get me... along with everyone. So, yeah, yeah, I remember you saying to me that you... You have trouble f- making friends as an adult. Yeah, I think it's we overthink as adults. We overthink friendships. As kids, we have no inhibitions. You kick a footy, you're a mate. Exactly. But as adults, we overthink it, and we we probably ju- we're harder on ourselves, and we're not quite sure why are we becoming friends. And that's mm. been my issue. I've, I probably don't have much of a problem striking up a conversation and having a sort of a shallow surface friendship. But much deeper than that, I have my doubts and I'm never too sure why we should become friends. Yeah. I think when you get older too, your relationships are like, your circle's a lot smaller. So you just feel like, look, whoever gets in here has to, you know, sort of match your energy or provide something of value to your life, I guess. In a, in a way, not in like a... Materialistic way, but... Yeah, yeah. not in like, like a materialistic va- way. But you prioritise your values more. And- yeah, exactly. So it's more just about aligning with people who are sort of like-minded and are going to push you in, in the right direction. 
I think that's yeah, kind probably of... just get a bit more selective when you get older, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where I'm heading. I'm sort of heading towards that retirement and I've now got to think about who I want in my life with regards to giving value. Um, who's going to enrich? Who am I going to? What circles am I going to move in? Um, so yeah, that's a big challenge I've got coming up for the mm. next twenty-five years. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing that you mentioned. Like, who do you give your energy to? Yeah. That's the other thing because yeah. as you get older, you stop giving a shit about everyone because you're like, true that. I only have a certain <laughs> amount of energy to share. Like, who am I going to share it with? They've got to be kind of worth it in a way, you know. So it's like very selective. Yeah, you got to be. You got to protect your own energy as well. So that's kind of like where I'm at now in my life as well. Because I actually get comments from people saying like I'm standoffish. Do you? Yeah, and they think I'm like a bit rude and arrogant. And I'm like, really? Like you don't even know me. (laughs) And then I'll sit down and have a conversation with them for like half an hour, and they're like, "You're a legend. Let's be friends." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forever, you know. All right, sell sell down. Yeah. (laughs) Well, a lot of them still are. So, because like it's like a challenge. I'm like, man, this guy doesn't like me. I'm going to convince him. We're going to be friends by the end of the night. Yeah. What what do you, Sophie? What do you look for in a friend? I'm pretty cutthroat. Are you? Yeah, I'm pretty cutthroat. I feel like I have uh, the. The thing with friendships with me, it's the same level of, um, I guess, standard that I'd hold for a partner. Not the same as in I expect the same, <laughs> but like the same <laughs> level of like, you know, criticism, I guess. And yeah, so what I look for in a friend is like supporting, holding space, I think like for big ambitions and not being competitive and all of those things. But I think mostly the like emotional intelligence being a key value of mine that's crucial in a friendship and yeah I would say that is like the main thing and then it's like just like-minded things like I don't entertain surface level conversations ever even in surface level relationships I'd probably ask what you've been through in life (laughs) like so yeah that's just like having depth is really important to me so that's what I prioritize in friendships but I also really value someone I think emotional intelligence is key because you have the depth, but you don't need to prove it, you know? So, like, some people who just discover who they are, they're like, we need to, like, unpack, you know, it's very serious. Particularly in female friends, it's like, you know, you need to, like, talk about everything. So, I really value the people who have, like, been through something, kind of discovered themselves, and then you don't have to, like, unpack everything. It's like, we can also go let our hair down. So, it's like that really, that duality of a relationship is really important to me. Mm. What about you, Lef? I know that in our chat you said your your passion is yeah friends. Yeah, no, I like trying to get along with everyone. Yeah, I don't know. I like. Is there something in our friends group uh, that <coughs> that <coughs> you really love in our friends? Um, I, I like that we've all. I'm proud of this. I'm proud that we all go. We've all gone our separate ways in our like professional lives and like relationships, romantic relationships and whatnot, but we all put in the effort to come back together. And then even though we might have all different finances, it's still the same. Mm. There's no arrogance, there's no chips on the shoulder, Mm. there's no looking down on anyone, there's no one sucking up. I don't know how to do that, but yeah, Mm. there's none of that going on. It's just sort of like if it's like the old, if it's your round of beers, your round of beers, it doesn't matter what you're on. And Mm. I think we've just maintained that through this our 20s and now into our 30s of that sort of standard and it's I think that's 
what makes us all such good friends. And, like, it's yeah. just fun to be around. Yeah, I've been uh, listening to a podcast with Brene Brown. I don't know the author that – are you guys familiar with her? She nope. she wrote a book on, um, like, vulnerability. And there's, like, a perception that you have to be, like, the funniest or the smartest or you've got to be clever to be likable and to build, like, a, a strong friendship group. And I listened to her TED Talk and it was about – she studies this and it's about it's nothing to do with how funny you are or – how smart you are, or how rich you are. It's about how you make people feel that determines a friendship. And what goes along with that is um, being vulnerable is the best way to go about it. And it made so much sense because in the episodes I have with you guys, that as soon as it's over and sort of the dust settled a little bit that night and we've had time to process it, I've felt closer together with you guys because we've experienced and we've shared and been vulnerable with each other, like the relationship I have with you is totally different to when we, before we walked in for I our agree. episode. Yep. I think you've probably nailed it in the conversations or the friend groups that I've ever been involved with. You're right. It's, it's pretty shallow. It's a few beers and you go home. You really don't get to know anyone. Mm. And it's only when I've had that conversation with you that I've started to talk to people and we get a bit deeper and your relationships improve. And that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Even like with Soph, like and Kristen, like they, they've seen like firsthand and I didn't know you guys, you know, 10 months ago. I know. And now it seems like. Besties. I, yeah, best. Like I see you guys pretty much every time I'm back away from work. Mm. And it's just like that power of being vulnerable with each other just builds that strong connection instantly. Yeah. Cause you have the perception that you're going to be closest with the people you've been friends with longest, mm. but it's actually. You know, if how long have we known each other? Probably, I don't know. How Less long have you been doing this podcast? I think I met you last Christmas or something. Yeah, yeah. so close now. Mm. Vulnerability. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's me thinking for the last 50 years you had to be strong and show no emotion. And that was my apparently my background to failure. When I thought it was success, I thought that's what I had to prove and show. Yeah, well, I think and, a lot uh, of older males think the same thing. Exactly, mm. yeah. And I'm females, sure Robbie really. put on a brave front when really, yeah, exactly. He was probably struggling. Mm. And going back on, I think when we're adults and we're going back on making friends, I think when we're adults, I think we're more in tuned to when people are being genuine and not fake, and that's like a core value that we don't like. What Sophie said, we we don't want any of the small talk, we don't want any of the, the fakeness, um, and just being authentic and genuine is something that. I think we all prioritise now as we're sort of getting older. And the people sitting here today, do you think this is the most authentic versions of yourselves? I think for me it certainly is. Hard question. Yeah, no, I think for me it is. And you've nailed it. I mean, and you said it before, Lucky, how much energy do you want to put into a relationship now? And so you are selective. And Mm. you do now want to know more about someone and what we, and we don't have as many common things back in the day. Certainly for me, it was sport. If someone wanted to talk rugby, then I was happy with it. We didn't know anything more about them. Probably didn't even meet their family for the first two years. And now, as I'm entering the age I'm entering, we want to know a bit more, and we want to have genuine, genuine relationships and find out about someone what ticks. And so mm-hmm. for me, and, and obviously I'm a little bit different age to you guys. So for me, it means more. Mm. Do you? Yeah. Th- 
Oh, oh go Brocco. Don't, no, I was don't just say, probably. <laughs> I get the sus. <laughs> we both yeah. paused. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'll go. Yeah. Brocco was like, I'll go. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I think it's just shifted a lot over the years. Like, yeah. when we were in our 20s, when we were hanging out, like, we obviously didn't have any tough conversations, really. We kind of just hung out, kicked the footy around, went out, partied, did all that. But now, like, shifting as we're getting older, we're obviously not partying as much anymore. We're all a bit more serious with life. And I think that's when that authenticity comes out. You get to know everyone a bit more of a deeper level. And then it really just, you know, mm. reassures you that they're in their, you know, you're my life for a reason anyway. Mm. And I think it, it just shows that we're all going through something. Yeah. I think when I, was go- when I was a little bit younger, maybe in my teens and stuff, I thought I was the only one going through things. And the first time you open up, you, it's not like someone's judging you or, you know, calling you a strange kid or whatever. It's like, yeah, I, I went through that as well. Well, I'm going through that as well. You're like, oh, yeah. I think hell? by the time you hit 30, you realise that everyone's gone through yeah, something. Yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it'd be impossible yeah. to get to 30 <laughs> yeah. when you're going through something. Yeah. 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 And that's a question I've always wanted to ask you is if I didn't ask you to come on the podcast and talk about the things that happened in your childhood, and would you have made the effort? Because I know I wouldn't have made the effort to talk about some of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. I think I've been trying to make the effort for about 40 years and there's never been a sit-down situation that we could have said, okay, this is the conversation we need to have. I know with Sammy, I've done it probably over 10 years. Gradually. Yeah. Drip-fed him. Yeah, I've drip-fed Sammy probably for the last 10 years, mm. so it was pretty much nothing that came out of my podcast they didn't have a fair idea about. Mm. Um, but you were playing footy and travelling and your headspace wasn't in the, in the best place. So mm. um, question, maybe if you hadn't have gone through what you've just gone through either, that situation wouldn't have come up. But if you were in the space you're currently in, I would like to have thought we could have had that conversation. I'd be meaning to. Yeah. But it was just a case of time and place. Yeah. Um, what about you, Lef? Would you have ever sat me down and all felt the need to? Um, well, I'd spoken to you a little bit about Yeah, it. a little bit. Um, I'd spoken to close people, but there were still things in there and like the whole stringing the whole story together. And I had close mates who'd messaged me and didn't know half the shit. So. Like army mates or... No, like, oh, yeah. yeah. I think I messaged you. I yeah, I think... No, yeah, yeah, did you yeah. say something like that, bro? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think I had a few others say that mm. as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yours was it a good was, story. It was, I loved yeah, it. I it couldn't was, believe what you put together and you remembered virtually step by step and that must have just... Missed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was pretty nervous beforehand. Yeah. I was pretty rattled for a few days, but it's... Yeah, you know, it's all right. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, emotional hangover. Because <laughs> I remember you were meant to go to work. Did you even go to back to work? That, uh, no, I don't. No, you didn't. You dreaming. Called a sick ear. No, um, no yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I, was, mm. I don't know. I was going to say before when Brent was talking, I think it's good that you've jumped on the podcast and opened mm. up because you can see the effect it's had on both of you. Yeah. And then a lot of our age group, still look up to our parents who are your age yep. and they might not have broken down those walls yet and this might encourage them yeah, to do so. Yeah, that conversation. Yeah. Mm. So and then that'll people. help our generation then be vulnerable and pass it on. Because so, that's a lot know, of responses I had is like people saying, I would never have a conversa- conversation like that with my yeah. parent. And I was like, well, it's something that I think needed to happen. I'll go back and i say it again. It's, just, it is, it's so hard for parents to get their kids in the right 
situation, right time, right place, and then be in the right place to sit down and go, okay, I need to have a conversation. Mm. That was always my what was stopping me from doing. That was the barrier. Um, when do I find the right time uh, to have this conversation? Well, I, I, something that I've learnt doing this, it might seem funny, but I think everyone should have a sit down with either a mum or dad, a brother or sister, someone close to them, and set it up like a podcast. Have questions, have topics. Obviously, you don't have to film it, but just sit down and just say, all right, these are the things I want to know. These are the answers. These are the questions. And sit down. I think everyone should just sit down yeah. with your mum or your dad or, yeah. and, just, and just go through things. Because, mm. you know, normally you just sort of... And you did right. Maybe it needs to be structured. Mm. Yeah. Four o'clock. Yeah, four o'clock. <laughs> have your questions. <laughs> yeah. What about Chris? Did you... What, how was... Uh, did your dad watch the episode? Oh, yeah. Listen? Oh, did Dad watch your guys' episode? No, no, no. No, no, yours. Yeah, he did, no. I think. I think he sort of watched half of it. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> I don't know if he watched the whole thing, but... Did he not like it? Yeah, no, he did. Mum <laughs> <laughs> said he liked, liked, oh, liked right. it, yeah. He yeah. said it was, like, kind of brave of me to, like, go out and do that because he would never yeah. do that. Yeah. But, yeah, to, like, it was really cool to watch your guys' one as well and that how it broke you guys down a little bit mm. so you could build yourself back up. And, and I think... That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, I think that's me and my dad have done that um, as well because, like, I yeah. had heaps of issues with my old man. So yeah. um, we've done it a few times. Like, normally we're having a beer. That's good to or hear. A few beers. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, I just give it to him how it is and I just say, look, this is what happened and this is how it made me feel and you didn't even realize it and all this stuff. So, and so dad sort of blames himself for everything that has happened to me over the years, I guess. Um, but, yeah, he's sort of at a point now where he's kind of forgiving himself too because I'm like, Dad, all the stuff that that you that happened to me when I was a kid and between us has made me like who I am now. Yeah. So it's like if you didn't do that stuff, I wouldn't be who I am now. So technically I have you to thank for who yeah. I am now as well. Yeah. So I'm like, you, you did everything right technically because yeah. otherwise I wouldn't be like It's not all bad. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, I love you. You're great. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, you did that. Like, you were part of that. so It's a great way I to look s- at it, yeah. Yeah, I sort of had to go through those things to become who I am. So if you think of it in that respect, then all this sort of, like, pain and trauma kind of goes away a little mm. bit. Mm. And then you guys can, like, let your walls down and, like, forgive each other. Yeah. And, like, you love each other at the end of the day. So you don't have to have a wall up. Like, Man. life's too short. Like, yeah. like start enjoying <laughs> each other. And I think it's taken me and Dad so long to do that and – now we're at a point where we can actually sit down and like be mates, which is that's yeah. awesome. Well, I feel like that's yeah. what we are now. Yeah. I feel yeah. like we can actually. Yeah. I feel there was a bit of a blockage there. We were just sort of button heads a lot, and now it's I can have open even our dialogue that we have, our conversations are on a much deeper level emotionally. Yeah, I, I think ours was a little bit different in as much as you spent a lot of time away mm. playing footy, yeah. and then I packed up and left for ten years. So I guess those opportunities weren't there. We had a social media relationship. Yeah, we did have a social media relationship. But mm. since, you're right, since the podcast, that's all changed. But it is interesting when you say that mm. you're the person you are because of what you've been through. Yeah. I often think of that for me as well. <laughs> I mean, I had an un- reasonably unpleasant childhood and I am who I am oh, yeah, because I heard of that. that. I heard. But I'd Listen love to, to go the back podcast. and just tweak a couple of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah. like the fact, you know, I'm strong and I'm, I'm focused, and mm. um, but 
I'd like to go back and tweak it. Mm. I'd be too yeah. arrogant to say I've got nothing to change because there's a bit yeah. there I'd like to. Yeah. yeah. I think that's everyone though. Like yeah, everyone it probably always, mm. always say that. Yeah. No one's perfect, right? But mm. yeah. like the way that you grew up is what made you who you are now. And the people who are in your life and love you, love you because you're how you are now. Yeah. So like we wouldn't all be sitting here talking to each other if all the things in our lives didn't happen the way they did because yep. that's what makes us all talk to each other. Yeah. Yep. And that's why we love each other at the end of the day because it's, it's what we see in each other, the strength of character mm. that we see in each other that makes us like closer, you know. So I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. If you look at it sort of full circle as you get older, you're like, oh, I get why like, that had to happen <laughs> to me, you know, yeah. Yeah. as opposed to like blaming so, or yeah, like a victim's yeah. Victim, mentality yeah, yeah. where it's like, Oh, this happened to me. I'm so mm. sad for myself. Yeah. I love reflecting back on mm. the struggles yeah. to see who it makes you now. And I think you mentioned that in your podcast, didn't you, Sophie? Mm. It's, yeah, it's sometimes I look at it and it's nearly like I've skewed my vision of it. Where I like see it as a positive. Or I'm like, mm. hold up, that's the reason I am like this or whatever. And yeah. you're like, I don't know, maybe as the years go by, you just start to fish out the positives for it and you see who it shapes you as a person as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I asked that question about um, the most authentic versions of ourselves because I feel right now at this moment I'm the most authentic version that I've ever been. Um, I used to try to be a different person to different people in different situations because I wanted to, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be liked and um, I think that caused a lot of anger in me. And I don't think I was properly able to regulate my emotions or have an outlet or identify an outlet that I could release some energy. Um, I realize now that exercising is like a big thing for me. I need to be doing some sort of exercise uh, physically. Uh, emotional outlet has been the podcast. I think that I never looked at it like maybe I need different things um, for different outlets. So like emotional one is like, doing this podcast and having chats and connecting with people and being vulnerable. Um, another outlet that I've just realized that I have is cooking. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I love finding a recipe and cooking because like being creative is something I think I spoke about with you is I never thought I was creative. And I thought uh, then I had like a thought, why did I like playing footy? It's problem solving. It's nothing to do about getting tackled. I hate getting tackled. But it was like problem solving. Like you've got you've to manipulate the defense. Like you've got to yeah. solve problems. You've got to be creative how you do it. And like cooking is the same. Like I follow a recipe, but then sometimes you're like, oh, I might f- throw this in there. Well, I wonder what that's going to do. And then by the end of it, you've got a meal and you eat it. Like I love doing that. Um, my question is, what's everyone's, Sophie, what's your outlet? Or I guess you're like your, um, like your meditation type therapeutic ritual that you, it could just be meditation, it could just be. It's hard, it's a hard question for me to answer because I feel like I, my outlet is very closely linked to my work. Like I, but I don't really want that to be true. I was going to ask I, you that. Yeah, it's. Really? Well, yeah. I was going to ask you, is it, is it work? But then I was like, I wonder if she's going to take that the wrong way. It's like I'm very passionate about what I do. Mm. So there's a close links there. But I think like most recently in my life, it's been about, okay, like your identity can't be what you do, even though you've kind of cre- you've curated it to be like, you know, about you or at least the outlet is is that. But, you know, I'm I'm a massive fan of like just – nature in general so hiking is big for me which 
I find really grounding. And then Pilates, working out, all of those things would be more like rituals that I love. But I think my outlet, honestly, most recently has been like writing and poetry. Really? And the reason I use that is because it's something like being kind of a um, personal brand or like really like have a podcast, I'm very active on online. That's something I haven't leveraged. <laughs> so it's something sacred and I think like it's just for me, which means it's probably most the closest thing to like the outlet that I have, yeah. But your outlet is your craft, like you love. What I wouldn't be able to like go say – you know, I've just been in Europe for four weeks living my best life nice. on paper and actually genuinely. But also, like, to come back is like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, nice. So, I don't know. Mm. What's, yeah. your, what's yours left? Has it changed now that you're a father? Um, yeah, I will. you got lack of time. <laughs> but, like, you've got your traditionals. But I tell you what, on Father's Day, I went for, the, for a surf for the first time in two years. In a photo of that. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, that's good for the soul. Was it? Yeah, it was nice. Was it but, Kelly Slater or Leffers' yeah, yeah, yeah. baby? <laughs> <laughs> or was it Mitchell Leffers? I caught five waves and didn't fall off, so I was happy. <laughs> but um, yeah, you got them, but you know, I can't, I can't do that as often as I used to be able to do. But at the moment, I'm doing a new job where I'm not building something. I've always sort of used my hands quite a bit, and I've been enjoying building stuff around home so like I built some porch thing to put some pots on for a front area the other day and I loved doing it and I yeah. was like I actually really enjoy it and like I throughout the day I'm like pondering of like new things I could build or something like nice. Bob the Builder over here so <laughs> <laughs> no but like because I'm not doing it for a job yeah. I guess now it's like I look forward to yeah. actually putting something together as a hobby or whatnot. And you got to be careful because Dad's I, wants renovations, so hoping, don't. Do you not say Bob the Builder? Yeah, I was hoping he's... <laughs> I know where you live. From, yeah. I know where you live. What about yeah. you, Brocco? Uh, well, mine's pretty obvious, physical activity. That's mm. probably my major outlet. Um, especially from a young age, I was always physically active, always going to the gym, um, but I didn't really connect the dots with the mental health till later in life. Uh, but yeah, probably the last few years, it's probably more running. We do a, a fair bit of running. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I just find if I'm having a tough day or I'm not thinking clearly, I just put it on the runners, go for a run, sweat it out for an hour, come back, and I'm like a completely new guy, just ready yeah. to take on the world. Nice. Um, and probably the same as you, actually. I love cooking. I'm using the kitchen. Yeah, you do, don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Making protein balls, doing heaps yeah, of stuff. It's pretty good being uh, a <laughs> mate, to be honest. Yeah, lucky Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I've liked I've been wondering about yeah. that. I was, I was yeah. curious about the Is cooking. Is he just living it up over here? <laughs> I'm just the dish <laughs> I'm the, house, the, the housewife. He's got the apron on. I like to call it to underwater <laughs> dish technician, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Underwater we, dish technician. Look, yeah, I like that. We all talked over each other then. Yeah, we did. Um, fears and insecurities. I, I, I mentioned in the podcast with Soph that um, I, one of my insecurities or things I I used to beat myself up about was being a quitter. Um, when things would get too challenging or too hard, I would just fucking find the easiest way out. And I'm going through something now at work where I've been given uh, another bit of machinery to to operate and. I've been on one bit of machinery for almost three years and they've promoted me to another bit and I am, I was fucking shit, like really bad. And I was like, everyone's like getting into me, like like soft bullying. And I was like, oh, I'm so bad at this. And it just brought me back to like just being so green and starting fresh and just just, just 
being used to just being shit at something and going, if I just knuckle down, I just go through it, eventually I will get good at this. And I remember like for my first week on it, I was like, I'm going to have to tell him. Like, I'm going to have to tell him I can't do it. Like, I'm happy being in a truck. Like, I was already processing like a quitting plan in my head. And I was like, you know what? Like, I made a promise. I'm not going to do this anymore to see it through. Like, to see it fucking through. Like, it'd be fine. And then like three we- three swings later, I'll- it's boring now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I look back at that earlier and I'm like, fuck, th- I don't know. I'm so happy that I can recognize that and just go, you know what? I'm not going to quit. I'll go through it. Eventually, I'll get good at it. Yeah. And now it's... Now I'm fine with it. Now when they put me on it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be fucking boring. Before I used to like stress about it. Are you guys going through anything like that or have you gone through anything like that that you just felt like quitting but you didn't? Oh, for me, probably having worked for 50 years, um, absolutely. It's, but I've, I've never had it. I've never, I guess I've never had that barrier being a quitting attitude. I've always looked at everything as being a challenge and a goal to reach. So, um, and I'm still going through that. So, retirement's coming up. Best 25 years are ahead of me. You keep saying that. <laughs> I know, I do. <laughs> What's going I, on? Didn't, I didn't want to do it. So, yeah. what I'm doing now is, is another challenge I'm about to hit. So, my creative side of me, I've now worked 50 years, having done dollars to reach a goal to pay things. That's all done. Don't need dollars now. So, mm-hmm. my creative side is coming out. So, I've decided to learn to play the guitar. Wow. Nice. So I've got calluses on the end of my fingers. Yeah. All slim are, dusty. Yeah, <laughs> looking for shifters, isn't it? Mate, I know half the playlist of the Eagles. Yeah. So that's yeah. a goal. And yeah. I've, I've got this list of things, yeah. challenges that I want. They're a bucket list. Massive yeah. bucket list, 50. Hmm. So whether it's playing the guitar, it seems to be creative stuff, yeah. magic, juggling. Mm. Start a guitar. podcast. Sorry? <laughs> Start a podcast. Yeah, that's right. So it is. And and I like those challenges. I couldn't get through the next 25 without doing something every morning and having a goal Mm. to wake up to. So I love, I embrace a new job or a new challenge. Mm. And I like getting to the end. So that's what I've got to look forward to. I love it. Yeah, I'm probably the same as Brent, I think. I enjoy the challenge. Mm. Starting something new and obviously you're a bit green and it's really uncomfortable, but... Mm. You give it a few weeks and you start getting a little bit better and better. And then, yeah, it's just that little reward at the end of the tunnel, I think, once you master something. Yeah. The fact you haven't got a steering wheel makes it a bit even harder, doesn't it? Well, when, when jo- joystick does that, oh, yeah. and then that one does that, I'm using two sides of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> when you only thought you had one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something that I really wanted to ask Soph and Chris um, was the stress and pressure of running your own business. Um, how do you cope with that? Is that something you guys thrive in? Um, do you try to l- limit the stress and pressure? Are you type of people that thrive in it? How do you guys manage that? Do I go first, sir? Okay, so <laughs> I would say there's a part of me, <laughs> there's a part of me that thrives in stressful situations. But to be honest, to even go back to the question beforehand of like something you felt like quitting, I had a very, very real for the first time in my life moment of I'm gonna leave on track like I'm done this like I'm just it's too hard like and I never thought I would have that moment um and I think you get very much attached to your business it's like kind of like having a child like you do create it and there's so much attachment to it it becomes a part of your identity people ask about on track before they ask about me like and I love that but 
there is a point where um, that usually I thrive under stress. I've since realized that I don't want to just be, um, you know, in a stressful situation and just coping. I want to be thriving, mm-hmm. like generally. So I've kind of made a conscious decision to, yeah, I guess pull back even though it's com- more comfortable. For me, it's more comfortable to go hard. So it's kind of like uh, for some people it's the opposite and whatever. Slowing down is now becoming more of a priority for me so I don't get to a point where I want to actually throw everything away because mm. you don't – it's kind of like for me it's just like all of a sudden I'm drowning. But up until that point I'm like, woo, let's go like and everything. So – yeah, I very recently almost threw in the towel, <laughs> but then I think I when, actually. When was this? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't tell you. Was, was, um, was no. it after our episode? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this! <laughs> I just hate my clients. Hey, um, yeah. but no, I he asked the stupidest questions. Yeah, I think no. In a real, like to be vulnerable, I think allowing myself to actually consider a world where on track isn't in it. It was like initially, it was like going through a breakup, and I was like you know, kind of crying at the thought of like failure, um, all the things were coming up for me. Then after that emotional wave passed, I was like, I looked at my scenario and I'm like, do I actually want to leave it all behind? The answer is no right now, lucky for you. Um, but the answer is no. But now I'm coming back to everything I'm all, I'm still doing the same in the same way from a place of choice as opposed to a place of program conditioning. This is just what I do. And it's actually giving me a really refreshing view on everything. Yeah. So to answer the second question, I would say, yeah, I thrive in stress, but I also feel like I'm drowning a lot and it is a lot. And it's kind of like my challenge is trying to prevent that drowning from happening. Mm. Does that drowning bring out your best work? Because I felt that when I had my business, I felt I was at my best when I was drowning. Yeah, the, and this is a, a huge conversation. I would say... You know, I think from from childhood we learn how we learn, like our body actually goes into like patterning from when we were young. So if I was in a stressful situation when I was young, I learned I had to be everyone's favorite person in the room. So yeah, when when things are stressful, everyone seems to love me in the room, which serves me. So like we learn these behaviors and they continue to serve you. But what you don't realize as an adult that you can actually become conscious of that behavior, like clean slate it and then choose what you want to be and still, you know, serve yourself in in a more conscious way. So, yeah, some of my best work is done through stress, I would say, and certainly historically, but I'd like to think I haven't even touched what I can achieve if I'm coming from a more grounded place because, yeah, it would be a whole different – I wonder what I could achieve if I felt supported because I don't know if you guys listened to my episode. I don't even know if I talked about it, but – my history and my my um journey the whole time I've been an adult and even younger I haven't ever felt financial support or really like genuine support from someone who I could turn to in terms of like I'm struggling so imagine what would happen if I did feel that support yeah you, know? you mentioned it at the end of your episode yeah about, uh, I can't quite remember what you said it was something about it's okay to it might look like I'm succeeding, something along those yeah, lines. That's it's it. okay to still support me. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I know I, I know I'm doing fine. Like mm. I and I actually have built the um resi- resilience and self belief that I will succeed or achieve what I what I set out to do. Like that's yeah. my history and I know that will happen. 
but it doesn't mean I want that. Like I'm like I'd rather have support because it'd yeah. be more fun with people. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Over to you, Chris. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I, I think with me. <laughs> I felt you and I was like, do not. Did you see Just because I go? took up space. <laughs> Some really good points there, so. Yeah. Um, oh, I concur. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I think that I sort of look at the question a little bit differently, I guess. I think life's just a struggle in general and work's part of that. You're not going to enjoy all parts of your work all the time, obviously. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's more about how do you deal with it. So mm-hmm. that's. That's why I've had to develop this lifestyle and Brocco's actually helped me heaps with it. It's like uh, I have to live a very regimented sort of lifestyle mm. in order for me to be highly functioning in my business. Like if I don't – like even now I'm like out of routine so I'm like a bit rattled, you know. <laughs> but like if I get up and do my exercise in the morning or, um, you know, get up and go for a beach walk and then go to work and then, you know, once I've done those things in the morning that I need to do – I can be in that space and have a clean slate for my brain that I can, you know, service people, help people and like help my staff as well. Mm. But so I really struggle with that. It's more of an issue of like me being in control of my own like anxiety and fears and doubts. And in order for me to do that, I have to have a routine so that I can deal with those things. So I like I use exercise a lot for that as well and, and then that sort of reflects in how I deal with people as well. So yeah, I think, yeah, it's just how you cope with your situation more for me because mm. I know some days are just going to suck, you know. Mm. And, and you see those memes all the time. It's like just scrap today, go to sleep, start again tomorrow, mm. you know. And sometimes that is the case. Like you don't have to win every day, you know what I mean? So it's like allowing myself to know that as well mm. and then like relaxing about it and accepting that. And I think the more I've done that, the more I've been able to have success because, like, my battle isn't against how I'm going to succeed and make money in my business. My battle is against myself all the time. So because I'm the business owner, I'm driving the success of the business. So technically I'm my own, like, barrier to getting to where I want to go. So if I can put myself in a mental state and, like, deal with these things in a way where I can put myself in sort of an open mindset – then I find I make a lot more progress like throughout mm. the day and sort of move my business along a lot faster. So yeah. Yeah. It actually costs you more not to prioritize yourself and those things when yeah. you have a when you have a business. It's like you need to be like um, upgrading your products if you have them, right? And innovating them. Mm. When you're a business owner, especially even you're in service based business, you are the product yep. that you need to be prioritizing that you're on your A game. So like going out on the weekend costs us more potentially. Yeah, it does, if we're not operating sure. like because we're not operating how we need to be for the best for our clients, and it's just the and our staff, and it seems to cost more. Whereas, like if you're just if you're not just an employee, but if you are an employee, you can sort of like go fly under the radar that Monday at work and just sort of recuperate. Yeah. So absolutely. yeah, I think having like a system where you know how to revive yourself so you can be the best version is imperative. Yeah, yeah, you got to be able to like guide people. Because you forget that, like, especially when you start a business, you're on your own. So it's like really Mm. difficult to, you know, help other people if you're not in a good mental state. Mm. So you need to look after yourself because then you can look after other people, you know. I was going to say, I loved the, my favorite video was your day in the life at Wild 
Digital? Yeah, and, yeah. And I was like, I think I watched like five loops. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like the old, that's the old Instagram versus reality. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Meanwhile, I'm sitting in a little box just stressing myself. I was like, this guy gets a lot done. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's your opinion or thoughts on the hustle culture that is running a business or is it each to their own? Whatever works, works. Is it like that you see on the internet or People, it's like a badge of honor when you've gone three days without sleep and mm. you haven't done anything but work on your craft or you work on your business. Is it becoming uh, toxic or is it yeah. just whatever works for that person? Yeah, I think, I think it, yeah, just whatever works for that person. Mm. Mm. Yeah, like I can't do that. Sometimes I will, <laughs> like I work through the night and mm. if I think that that's going to service me and put me in a better position. So, the more I've done business, the more I've realized that I just need to look after myself first. Otherwise, this whole thing's just going to fall apart anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like, some nights I do. I'll, like, stay up all night because I know that that's going to save me a week of headaches. But if it's if I know that I stay up all night and I'm just going to be anxious and non-functioning for the next three days because of that, then I identify that now. Mm-hmm. Whereas... I think when I was younger, I probably didn't do that. You just go 110. To, yeah, like hustle, like let's make money. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what know? I ask. Cause Whereas now it's more of a balance, yeah, I think. So, you recognize that, yeah. yeah. To answer your question, it's definitely like a case by case because mm-hmm. some people do function like that. But for me, like I need to have my wellness as well. So yeah, how do you guys balance. clock off then? Like, how, like you might have something stressful, but like. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, I think. For me, it's just like rigorous physical exercise. Like I have yeah. to punish myself. <laughs> like it, it has to be so hard that I forget about everything. No energy to think. Yeah, no energy to think. Like, it's like a full-on reset of your nervous system. Yeah. Like I've got to do like a hard cardio session or I've got to run at least 10K. Like <laughs> I can't run like 2K and be fine. I'm know? like a beach walk. <laughs> but seriously Two having parties. regular like going to the beach every day is actually really important because it's very yeah. grounding and it takes me away from work yeah. but to but the other thing I would I would say about hustle culture to me I feel like you know this work-life balance scenario that we all talk about a lot I feel like it's positioned to be perceived like you know this is what I put into my family this is my work these are my relationships yada 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 but for me I look at it more like and it's all even all the time. For me, it's just like, okay, one week, high priority might be work. And it's like, I'm working long hours. The next week, because I've got a reason to do that, the next week I might be showing up to work like, you know, two days a week and actually relaxing on the beach. And for me, it's just been about allowing that and not making every week look the same and just allowing myself to be like, okay, right now I need to hustle hard and it's and remembering it short term. Mm. And doing what it takes, but then also not beating myself up when I'm kind of chilling for a week or going to Europe for a month, <laughs> for example. Yeah. yeah, I doubt that you're in Europe going, I should be back at on track. <laughs> no, I was, no. yeah, other things are on my mind. <laughs> Something that I've really loved watching is Leffers and Brock's journey and navigating their passion and their purpose and how it's developed over time. I've noticed that it's been a bit like a process of elimination, trying new things, yeah, taking on a few new jobs. Yeah, a few yeah. new jobs. A few different careers. Get in it and go, well, this isn't for me. <laughs> Maybe At five in five years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that, is I'll that, probably still keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it's been like for you guys is just try new things? Um, for me, yeah. Like I, I need to be stimulated. I need to be challenged. Mm. And um, 
if I find that I'm not challenging or even hitting that creative aspect as well, I don't know. I just feel like I the the money part of it isn't as important as in important for me. For like I need to have that stimulation through what I'm doing is also achieving something and it's I don't know it takes a bit of skill that I have to develop and whatnot so yeah I, d- I don't like dead-end jobs usually so um, just finding that that balance is is challenging and um, I don't know I feel like I've since leaving the army I was in that funny area where I worked full time I saved up a bit of money and whatnot and bought a house and and then I was like what do I actually want to do and it's been a journey like I did uni for two years did teacher aid for a bit laboring electrical work Mm -hmm. like uh, and I I feel like I've found something that I really enjoy at the moment like I'm only five weeks in but it's challenging and it's you know it's not as hard on my body and there's room for growth, which was a massive thing for me during the whole job interview and applying for the job. So that's what I need. I need growth. Well, that's a good lesson for everyone listening is that like the first step was trying to figure who you are isn't you don't know who you are straight away, but yeah. it's it's who you're not. Yeah. And that first step is process of elimination. <laughs> figure out who you're not and then mm. you narrow that selection down. Yeah. There's mm. been and there's and I'm not saying I found the answer, mm. but I there's been so many situations and avenues I've gone down at the time that I started, I thought that was it because I put so much effort and I thought into this decision and then it just like after a year or two, I'm like, no, that's not it. That's not it. But then I learn from that and then it's, yeah, who you're not. You're sort of narrowing it down. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, you learn something a little bit more along the way. And, mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Touching on what left was saying, yeah, I think it's a lot of trial and error. Like, I don't know, I've never really been one when I was younger to know exactly what I wanted to do. And I always just tried a lot of different jobs and I kind of liked the, the customer service industry for a while. That's why I was in hospitality for a long time. Um, and then I kind of, over the years, just worked out what I was more passionate about. So I was kind of into healthy eating. That's when I worked into, a, you know, raw and rice, a poke bowl shop. And that then transitioned me down to the Gold Coast. And um, then when that shot, that kind of, Opened the door for, for Sana Days. That was that, that is my passion project at the moment, um, but I can't take an income from that. So um, I was back in hospitality for a little bit. But this year um, I started volunteering, doing disability support work, and that's just given me a lot of passion as well because it's uh, physical activity-based. So we take them out and we do you know morning programs, afternoon programs, all based around sport and recreation. So... I think I just kind of learned what I, you know, my interests and hobbies were over the years, and then I try and transition that into my work, and that's where I find most of my passion. Mm. You know, I you know, most of the days I get up, you know, to go to work, and I don't think of it as work, mm. especially with everything I do with Sana Days. It's my passion. I just see that as a long term goal, and if I can just keep chipping away at that, I'll, I'll get there. That's a good point you made because I think mm. when we were at school, there's that, all that pressure to to get an OP and know exactly what you want to do. Yeah, straight out of school and all these kids are I felt the same like all these kids are getting really anxious and trying to figure out who they've got to be at 18 years old or 17 years old I've got to yeah. do this and whatever choice I make is permanent 
Yeah. And they just think, oh, I've got to choose it at 17 and whatever I choose, it's going to be stuck with me for the rest of my life. And we're all yeah. in our 30s, apart from Sophie. Yeah. Um, and dad, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're in our 30s and it's like, how many different jobs have we yeah. had? And like, um, yeah, well, it's going to take time to work yeah, out what no, you like and what you don't like. And yeah, you're only going to do that with trial and error. Yeah. And if everyone, like kids listening, is, is there's no rush. It, it might seem like there's rush and. In, in a narrative that society gives us or your parents or your friends or school that there's a rush to figure out what you want to do in your life, but there's not. There really isn't. Yeah. Fail fast. Yeah. Fail fast, yeah. I think the, for me the change in the workforce, back in my day it was pretty much a job for life. You got a job, you stayed there. Whether you liked it or not, you stayed there. The positive about employment today and employers seem to be resi- – they seem to accept the fact that someone will be with me for maybe two years and I'll move on. And I think that's an opportunity for people today, you, your age and younger. They accept the fact they'll go out and I might work for 12 months, don't like it, go and get another job. And everyone accepts that. Back in my day, it wasn't accepted. Mm-hmm. So, and I was lucky. I got into a, I got my own business and I worked, got into jobs where um, I, I enjoyed them. I woke up with a purpose and I went, I've always said from day one, the day I wake up, uh, to go to work and I have no purpose and don't like it, I, I'd leave, I'd change. Yeah. And I always did. Yeah. And, and I liked your point where, um, you know, you, you pick your battles you want to win as long as you win the war. And so, yeah. you know, will you stay up or not? Well, if that's a good battle to win and at the end of the day the war's won, yeah. then we'll go for it. But there will be a few battles in your working career that you'll lose. Yeah. And over sure. a six-month, 12-month period, You've won the war, and that's what we need to accept, and and we all need to accept in our lives that um, the odd battle we lose, the odd failure, Mm. doesn't mean you've failed. It just means you've learnt something new, Mm. and that's uh, I I think that's a bonus in it it, that we've got out of this current workforce or this current era. Certainly, when I was young, it wasn't. You just you're expected to stay in a job. Anyone leaving after two years, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I think the other thing that's interesting as well that I've learned like the hard way is I was always taught never to give up. That's like my thing. Like my dad always says that. You Good never South give African up. attitude to have. Mm. Yeah, like don't give up on anything, right? But as I got older, like I would keep going with things that I should just let go. So like that was a huge lesson for me because I was like, you know, we can't give up. Even if it, I was doing the shittest thing, I'm like, I've got to be the best at this. Like I'm going <laughs> to kill it. And then you forget why you're doing it in the first place. It's like, like you get so far down the track, you're like, wait, hold on. Do, should I even be doing this? Yeah. Like, so I reckon another good lesson is like, know when to quit. Yeah. Like, because we always get taught, don't up. quit. Yeah, fine you know? line. Mm. Don't quit, don't give up. But mm. sometimes you, you got to know when to quit. I think that's like one of the biggest things I've had to learn because I'm like, they're not know, the same, relationships, I just don't give up. Mm. And then you get to a point where you're in like this situationship and you're like, oh shit, like maybe this isn't actually what I want to do. Like, why am I still in the fight? Like, mm. get out of the fight, you know? Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's also kind of an important so that, that difference. Yeah. You got to know the difference and yeah. between quitting and giving up. And they're not the same. Oh, yeah. giving up is normally based on a practical outcome. Um, am I going to succeed? Mm hmm. For the amount of work I'm going to put into this, is it going to be a win at the end? Yeah. You're not giving up because it's too hard. I mean, that, that's quitting. Exactly, yeah. But it's a logical conclusion you've come to. I'm going to put all this work in and I'm actually going to get nothing out of it at the end of the day. That's a logical business yeah. um, decision to make. Quitting's completely different, Elliot. Exactly. 
quitting. <laughs> Elliot. Yeah. Well, he's improved. He's good. Say, no, you, just say yes, Dad. Hold on a second. <laughs> you do realise I've got the power and we'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but what we will keep in yeah. is... You're yeah. old. <laughs> and guess what? I'm retired. Yeah. And well, guess, that's, I was about to ask, what's fo- your next job, Brent? Well, financially secure. Yeah, well, that's, that's my, my... No mortgage. My next question is to Dad is, I think I talked about with Sophie that there's a cost to everything that we do. I don't know if it's too early now to reflect and working away in the mines for the last 10 years, being away from the kids, um, away from the coast, the family... Um, has it been worth it? I think it has, and we've discussed it. It's, it's cost versus outcome, I guess. Uh, cost, my our absence versus what are we going to get out of it. And to be completely selfish, it does come a time when us parents have to go, it's all about us. And we're at the stage of our life now, and, and because of where we've been for the last 10 years, we're coming back. I guess debt-free, financially secure, the next 25 years are going to be sweet. They're all ahead of us. The kids are good. Don't have to worry about them. So you're right. It was a discussion we've had and we talked about it after two years, five years and now 10 years. But I think we had to get to the stage where we are number one. It sounds selfish, but if we're not in the right space mentally then we can't help our kids anyway. You know, if financially, if our kids wanted a hand up, we wouldn't have been in that position had we not gone out there. So I struggle to find a negative. Maybe emotional support, we weren't there, um, but certainly in other ways we were. We always were. Mm. So I think we are in a better space to help you in the next 20 years or even help ourselves, more importantly. A question that I asked you in our podcast... And you didn't get to answer it because I started crying. Mm, okay. <laughs> How do we build resilience? Oh, I don't know if there's a recipe to it. I think there's a lot of life experiences that go into it. You've got to experience it, um, understand that there'll always be something positive at the end. So it might be hard to accept at the time. But I've always had the ability to be resilient uh, through the hard times, knowing that, um, like I said, uh, I might lose that battle. But I always look, is there a war at the end that I'll, I'll win? So how do you develop it? I'm not sure how you do, but I'm sure a life experience would go towards that. If something came out of the blue that I hadn't experienced, I'd struggle to have some resilience with that. But I think it's a life skill. Do you go back to what Chris said, that, Although you had a terrible childhood, yeah. Do you ever think that you wouldn't be half as resilient as you are now if you oh, had a zero? I have because I didn't experience. If I hadn't experienced tough times, there's no way I'd be as resilient now. And that's what I said. Uh, the things I have now are because of my uh, the traits, the, the skill set, the resilience I have now are a result of my my upbringing, my childhood. And if I hadn't experienced those. Um, mm. You're dead right. I wouldn't have uh, the resilience I have today. Yeah. Um, I agree. Absolutely. What about you, Soph? You, you, Glad you asked, You've been through some pretty traumatic things in your life. I yeah. think after the chat we had, I, I left going, I think Sophie's one of the most resilient people I've ever met. Oh, wow. Huge call. Yeah. 
receiving. Um, Take a compliment. <laughs> thank you. So I would say for me, resilience is built by evidence. You need to go, like you need to look at a scenario that didn't serve you in the moment. And actually, it's kind of like what we were talking about before. Actually look at the evidence of what that gave you. And it's a pretty savage experiment when you are really wanting to be in a victim mindset, which is like, that gave me nothing at all, tore me apart, rah, rah, rah. So initially, when you're in a traumatic event, like just honor that emotional wave and, you know, you probably don't need to be rising above it. But what happens when like repeated things happen, you can kind of be like, okay, well, one time I thought it was the worst day of my life and it actually gave me further self-awareness, like um, this relationship with this person. It allowed me to open up with this person, which brought me closer to this opportunity. Like genuinely looking at what evidence do you have that these bad things can actually pay off or give you something in return. And I think it's it's using your hindsight to build, to build foresight in the future. It's the easiest way to build resilience in the moment. Mm. I've got a... I listened to a TED talk. Were you about to say something? No, I just said I agree with that. Oh, you agree? Yeah. That's Keep it down next time, please. I'm kidding. Don't talk over it. Um, no, I, I listened to a TED talk about resilience and this quote came up that I loved. It was, discomfort is the price of admission to a, a meaningful life. And they talked about exposing ourselves to more uncomfortable situations um, and emotions. Yeah. That's going to better us. And I think we talked about the run, the silly run that I did. And then mum, mum couldn't understand why I chose to do it. Yeah. So you did right. Elliot's 70K run. Um, walk. Walk. <laughs> Hobble. Oh, I crawl. Think it's silly. Limp. I, <laughs> I never for one moment when he said it, I straight away went, that's a good thing to do. That'll test you. Immediately mum went, how stupid is that? Mm. So she could never get it even when I explained the mental strength that he would have got out of that didn't not get it at all. So, yeah, that's yeah. building resilience, going yeah. through the hard times and mm. getting out the other end. I agree. What about you, Brocco? You think you're pretty resilient? Uh, yeah, to a degree. I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was a bit so. I think so. <laughs> I mean, so. I mean, yeah, I've kind of touched on what Soph was saying. It's, I think it's just built on those experiences. And um, when you do go through that hardship and you got to you know, come out the other side and be strong for yourself, be strong for your family, I think once you keep going through these things repetitively, you just build that kind of resilient layer, which is sometimes it's a, a blessing and sometimes it's a curse as well because I think it's kind of affected my emotional state. Obviously, moving on, I can easily just block off like emotions if I need to and just get on with the job. I do. And yeah, like I'd love to be a lot more vulnerable and mm. open up a lot more. But yeah, I always just have like that bit of a barrier um, that I can easily just shut off, especially with like past relationships and all that kind of thing. So mm. although, yeah, I do see myself as resilient at the same stage, I'd like to be obviously a bit more on that vulnerable side as well. Are you doing anything to help that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just a lot. I think it's just a lot of self-development, mm. especially being aware of it and yeah. um, I guess the situations and just looking back on certain experiences and looking how I felt and how I could have done things like a lot differently, I suppose, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it, I'm obviously single at the moment, but going forward, if I, you know, I do enter a new relationship, I'm kind of aware of what I'm like and I think it's just letting the other partner know, you know how I am and how we can address these issues moving forward and, yeah, obviously, hopefully have a healthy relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
something that I chatted to Sophie about before I even started this podcast was um, defining success and how it really is important for me that I needed to define what success was for me. Otherwise, I'll just be chasing a ghost and never feeling fulfilled. And my um, defining success for me with this podcast was was this getting having one person message and say that they've initiated change in their life. They've gone to seek help. They've talked to their mum or dad for the first time about something that they've gone through. Um, that if I could affect one person's life in a positive way like that, that was success for me. That happened after the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> Someone messaged me that about our episode. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your definition of success? My definition of success is being able to look at myself in the mirror and just like be happy and proud of how I've handled myself for myself. Like I just, I've realized that over the years I've looked for external things to like validate me as a person and I still struggle with that every day. Like I want my friends to like me. I want people to like me all the time. And, you know, like you said, sometimes you chameleon and you try and like be someone else so that they'll like you or whatever. And I've sort of, it's taken me so long to figure out not to do that anymore because when I feel my best and my most authentic self, I'm just doing the things that make me who I am and like that ground me, I guess. Mm. So I have days where I'll like look at myself and go, yeah, I'm like really proud of you. You're ticking your boxes, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's the more I tick my own boxes, the more I feel successful basically. And that doesn't mean – that has nothing to do with finance, business, nothing. It's more about that, you know, like people say, filling your cup. The more I fill my cup, the more I feel successful. So – being around guys like you, like coming to visit you or hanging out with Brock or having these conversations makes me feel more like myself. Whereas like going out, partying, trying to fit in makes me feel really insecure in myself, even though I still do it heaps. I still enjoy it, but yeah, your success more, comes in, comes from within. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's just more like that happy feeling you get from knowing that you're doing the right things by yourself mm. yeah being at peace with yourself yeah exactly yeah. i think i posted a quote after brock and i did kokoda as mm. well and i can't remember exactly word for word what it is but it, it's basically about accountability to yourself so um i think it's it said like confidence isn't um shouting affirmations in the mirror mm. confidence is having an undeniable stack of proof that you are who you say you are yeah and i think that the more I prove to myself that, you know, writing down who I want to be and the more I align myself with those things, the more I feel successful yeah. within myself. Yeah. To answer your question. Good answer. What about you, Lef? Mm. Does it Has it changed? Um, yeah, I just, I was just trying to think about it and I was like, I was thinking about when I'm by myself, like I feel successful with life when I when you're either driving home from work or you you've got a moment of silence and you're not driving yourself crazy with your own thoughts. I'm trying to think about that's a mixture of a few different things combination to build that and that's what I feel like for me that's success being peaceful with myself and my thoughts and content with everything that I've got. I think that comes through a lot of self-reflection and gratitude for what I've achieved and what I've currently got and not getting lost 
in other thoughts that are unnecessary and not needed. And that's where I I find happiness and I love it when I stop and I realise I've had five days straight where I've sat in silence with myself or drove home and done these things without mm. stupid or weird, dumb thoughts going through my brain. And I, I, that, that for me is a happy life and that for me would be success. Yep. That's how I'd view it. Mm. Yeah, mine's more practical, I think. I think given that I'm three quarters of the way through my life, I can reflect... And this goes to the podcast we had, well, I, I talked about having a bucket list when I was at school. So I always had goals, always. So my success came around reaching those goals. It wasn't one goal that was achieving personal health and being happy in my life, uh, family, uh, financially secure, happy at work. And they all just came together long term. Am I happy? Did I reach those goals collectively? And I've held that from high school through to now. I mean, as I said, I'm coming, leaving the mine and our goal to come out to leave the mine after uh, a period of time was to come out financially secure. That was our long-term goal. There were short mids in the middle, but the long-term goal, I would have failed. I would have looked at it as a failure if I hadn't have reached that ultimate goal. And I've now done that. So, yeah, that's, that's success to me. That's, um, that's how I look at it. Um, there's a there's probably three different layers there, but it's achieving my goals. Do you have one, Soph? Yeah, for me, I think it's it's definitely a feeling, and it's probably to do with you know contentment. But if I was to tangibly unpack what I think it will take for me to feel that way, it's going to be about having two elements equally working towards each other, and one being how I impact the world, and that's like in my circle, in my relationships, but also larger being completely aligned to me feeling like I'm expressing authenticity and it's what I want like I could be impacting everyone really well and but also be working for someone who I despise and don't believe in their values and that wouldn't be success for me so I feel like it needs to be like how I show up needs to be super aligned to who I am and and what I stand for and to have that element where I feel like it's having a positive impact on the world or it doesn't need to be big, mm-hmm. but my world. Like I'm feeling like I'm positively influencing wherever I am. Love it. Oh, you know me. You like know you're up. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you the longest time. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. Thinking about 20 different answers now. <laughs> yeah. Pick one. Whatever. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Just choose a number between one and ten. <laughs> <laughs> that little, that little yeah. card game. <laughs> Uh, no, mine's pretty simple. I think it's just to be the best version of myself and stick into my core values and who I believe I am as a person and not letting kind of outside forces and work and everything change who I am or who I want to be. I just want to stick, you know, I just want to be myself. I've never really cared too much about material possessions or anything and I can just, yeah, be myself and I love helping others. So I love watching others succeed as well. So I get a lot of success from watching other people succeed as well so yeah yeah i'm going to open it up has, has anyone got questions for another guest about their episode or things that they listen to or things I that they wanted question. to ask another guest please. no i have a question please <laughs> yes go um it's for you chris yep have you ever had a time in your business that you actually have felt like i'm a failure yeah every day <laughs> <laughs> really yeah pretty much every day yeah like i sort of 
I what? catastrophize for sure. Yeah. Like I'll be like the world's melting down. Like <laughs> I'm going to lose all my clients. Like, you know, like service-based businesses are hard because people come to you because they almost like you. It's a relationship, mm-hmm. right? So if you're running advertising for people, you have to understand their brand, their values, who they are, and you have to sort of align with that and you have to be genuine and you've got to know your shit as well. Mm. So it's kind of like it's a really difficult thing to to maintain because I'm responsible for people's livelihoods. Like mm. they have businesses and I make 80% of the revenue for some of the businesses I work for. So it's like it's a really difficult one to navigate emotionally because mm. some days you're just not getting – the results that they necessarily think they need but you've got to manage their expectations so it's just this constant like roller coaster for me like mm. it's never like no day's the same which makes it great but it's also very volatile like yeah. it's like one day you're on top of the world you just got six new clients you're like i'm gonna make all this money and then the next day you're like oh shit i've actually got to like do all this work now because <laughs> i got all those clients you know what i mean yeah so it's like what I've had to learn to do is like navigate those roller coaster of emotions because in one day in the morning I could be like I'm ready to quit then in the afternoon I've gotten three clients four clients have called me saying we love you and my mum said everything's going to be okay yeah and then in the other I'm like yes I'm back you know what I mean like but you've just relied on external validation for that yeah, yeah exactly so for me, my struggle's always been external validation. Like, mm. that's my biggest problem. Like, so, yeah, I'm really working on that and, like, how to be happy with myself. And that has allowed me to deal with, with my business as well mm. because I, I don't take things as personally. Yeah. Like, I'm like, it's, okay, it's part of the business. You're going to lose clients. People are going to be unhappy with you. Just take it in your stride more. You know mm. what I mean? It's not your fault. Like, stop blaming yourself for everything. Mm. So, I think... Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, like I was just like, checking to see if yeah. <laughs> everyone feels like a failure. Yeah, no, I but, think everyone does. Though. Yeah. Like, a lot of my friends who have, have businesses are exactly the same. Yeah. Like they tell me all the time, like, I'm ready to quit, like, you know, once a week. But, yes, but <laughs> same. It's, I think that's just an outlet Yeah. that you have to have sometimes. And um, I think it's about how you manage that, like, and who you talk to as well. Like make sure it's in your inner circle and you're not projecting that energy out to totally the, the bigger world because if your clients find out or whatever, yeah, he like knows. you don't want that negativity in your life, you know? So like keep it keep it tight and have those conversations, get it out of you and then get on with it, you know? Mm. Do you um do you ever speak to people that are older and been in the business game for a long time? Yeah. Do you see how they handle that? Is it better or it's, it's is it motivating or is it like give you hope yeah so what i've realized is like i've got a couple of mentors that yeah. um from my old jobs they're like my old bosses and stuff they still have the same problems it's oh, really? just they deal with it privately so oh, you okay. never see it on the outside yeah right so that's what i'm saying like you've got to have those people like you know if i want to call you elliot and tell you about my girlfriend and I've been crying for four days. Mm. Like, that's fine that I, I can tell you that, but I don't want to project that onto everybody else. So it's like what what you get better at when you're older is that's why I say your circle gets smaller. Mm. There are those people you know that are there for you that can, mm. that can be there for you in those moments because moments come and go. Like, you're not stuck there forever. So it's just like how can I cope with this in the moment, in sort of in private and deal with it, and then come out a positive person 
for the people on the outside. So I think that as you get older, the problems are exactly the same. You almost feel exactly the same, but it's the way that you deal with it that makes the difference. So, yeah, that's the way I answer your question because it's like it's the same thing. It's just they're dealing with it better because they've learned learned to cope, you know what I mean? So, And that's kind of what I'm going through too, I guess. Final question. Uh, is something that I've actually always wanted to ask Brock. Um, pretty much ever since Robbie passed, this is a question that uh, I was too scared to ask you. And at the same time, I didn't know what answer I was looking for. I didn't know why I wanted to ask you this question. Um, and after doing the podcast with each of you, this question also applies to you guys. Um, but I want to read a quote out that might give some context to my question. And you can try to guess who, who said this. It goes, life is beautiful, but you have to accept the good and bad as being beautiful. You can't accept the good, and then when we lose somebody, oh, life sucks. Life is beautiful because it gave us the ability to know them on our journey through life. We met them, we loved them. We cared about them. They cared about us. That's the purpose of life, to enjoy what we have when we journey through it. Sometimes we don't understand what's my purpose, why am I here, why do I have to go through this pain, why do I have to go through this fear all the time, why can't it be peaceful all the time? But then it wouldn't be life. We have to take life on life terms, not on our terms. So everyone here, all the stuff that you guys have gone through and you reflect on all the trauma, all the pain, um, all the sleepless nights. Can you say that life is beautiful? A lot of lean backs <laughs> and deep backs. Yeah. <laughs> Hell mean, yes. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a strong believer everything happens for a reason and um, we can't choose what happens to us but we can choose what we do after that situation. Um, so yeah, you can always have that negative you know, experience and then just have a negative effect afterwards and you know, just kick the world. Every, you know, life sucks. Why does this happen to me? Or you can, you know, take a Latin and turn it into a positive situation. And I think that's what I've done after dad passed. It's you know, taken a little while, obviously grief for a long time. But then I realized, you know, mental health isn't going anywhere. Everyone's going to struggle. Like just looking around at my mate's group, a lot of us go through the battle. So what can I do to, you know, help this situation and have a bit of a positive impact in the space of mental health? So Love it. Nah. Yeah, I think, I think the same. I think mm. we have to go through pain. Um, it's it short-term pain and we accept that as, as part of life. Um, it, it was never going to be uh, wonderful from start to finish and if you have that belief and acceptance that uh, you can turn negatives into positives, which, which I love doing, I can always find something good out of something that's happened or something perceived that's bad. I can always find a benefit or, or something that I can, I can uh, enjoy later. Um, Robbie's death. I mean, mm. um, you know, we we coach together, and um, and I guess my my brother uh, committed suicide, and I, and I keep looking back at why that happened and and, and the positives that might have come out of it, and I always managed to grab something that um, that made me feel better or made me understand why it all happened, um, whether that's a negative or a positive, but I always managed to not get down for too long about something that as tragic as that. Yeah. Um, and that's helped me deal with it. I haven't dwelled too long on stuff, whether it's private, international stuff that I see on TV. Mm. I, I've managed... Compartmentalising is, is something I can do pretty well. Um, yeah, so... Uh, 
I think we will have to accept the whole package. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, no one gets out of this life tour and free. So yep. I think, yeah, you just got to accept the situation and, you know, as you, you said, try and take a little bit of positives out of a yeah. real negative situation. Yep. I'm a big believer that pain is inevitable but suffering is a choice. So, like, the initial thing that happens to you, that sucks. But don't let it define you. Don't get bogged down in it. You know, move forward. Don't suffer. You know? I have an issue where I get, like, addicted to being sad. So, like... Is that right? Yeah, I'll get in, like, like cycles of thinking about it because, like, I want to feel sad. But it's, like, subconscious. It's weird. Mm-hmm. I've always had that issue of, like... And, like, I've gone to psychologists and stuff about it and... I've had to learn to sort of not get stuck on things, but I do. I still do it to this day. But when I look back at those times, I appreciate them also. Like it's weird. Like when I was going through that, I feel like I needed to get stuck there for a while to sort of get spat out to then appreciate what I have now in a way. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of similar to what everyone said, you know what I mean? Like taking the good things from those little things and then sort of making it a positive but man i get so bogged down and i get so sad you know and that's why i've had all my depression over the years has just been getting stuck in these fake scenarios that aren't even real i'm just creating them in my head and then now that i look back at them it makes it so much easier to deal with things like that coming back at me now so it's kind of like yeah it's weird like yeah it is when people when you read a quote like that for instance you can see how life can be beautiful even when it's shit out mm. you know what i mean like because you look at back at that and you're like that is the experience of being a human yeah feeling yeah. those things like going through those things and then adapting and coming out the other end of being a better person and i think that if you're not doing that then you're not you know you're like not succeeding in a way you know what i mean like you've got to look back retrospectively at those things and see them as beautiful because that's part of the life experience and the part of like making you who you are. So that's, I think that also comes with getting a little bit older and understanding that, but that's what make that's what shapes you. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes life life. Mm. Otherwise, what will we talk about? Yep. It was sick. Yesterday I was sick. Today's sick. What's up, man? What'd you do we today? We do do that. You know? <laughs> same, same thing. Like, what will we talk about? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, you got to go through that stuff to like, you know, create characters create different mm. people and um that's why different people get along differently and we all click together because we've gone through all these weird little things in our lives and like he- kind of hectic things too but yeah i think that that's the beauty of it and that's why i think some people write, write about like those painful times as being beautiful as well yeah yeah you concur i think yeah i i was just i think i was speaking a weird about it the other day or well, mum actually I told her the news about the baby and it was like five years ago would have I ever pictured myself here and I'm like No way. Fuck, I was thinking the other way. And now you look at it and you're like, This is crazy. Mm. It's like and that whole experience up until now is such a huge lesson which I want to be able to share and that's another life thing and now I have a different outlook on everything and it's I don't know, it's mm. yeah. It's it's amazing. And I don't know. This I is don't have the answer, but far out. <laughs> you can have an answer though. <laughs> so this is the fun bit. Yeah. Are we all ready? Oh, the fun bit. Oh, we have, oh uh, gosh. I thought we were this fun <laughs> no, 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 no. I so like we've got. He pulls the phone out, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Something yeah, weird's about to happen. So, questions for everyone. Oh. 
Are we doing it Some on more the questions? Yeah, we'll edit it in later. Edit it in later. Let's see if we can all hear this. Hey guys, Big Mick here. I've got a question for you about life goals. I personally feel as though the world is moving faster than it ever has and things can change so dramatically so quickly. I'm interested to see how you guys use goals in your life to help steady the ship. I personally don't think much more than a few months ahead as I feel as though that's something I can control. I'm interested to see in what way you guys currently use goals to help steady the ship through life. Steady the ship. Steady the ship. <laughs> goals. Yeah, he, he just rang me. <laughs> <laughs> Wants to know if you heard his yeah, question. Have you answered my question yet? He's got one more actually. What's his other one? And I have one more question. This is probably a more serious one. Um, this isn't for lefters, but I'm just interested to see how often you guys shampoo your hair as males. (laughs) 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 Yeah, he'll be there. That's good luck. Uh, So goal setting. Do you guys set... uh, Long distant goals, five year goals. Good as we're saying, he doesn't set any more than six month goals. Let me add it. Hmm. I don't set goals. <laughs> you don't? No. Yeah. No goals. No goals. No. I don't like goals because I feel like when I reach them, I lose purpose again. So I concentrate on every day, sort of like Mick. Shout outs to you, Mick. <laughs> um, Actually, we'll give Mick a shout. Yeah. Shout out, Mick. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for the Cheers, thanks Mick. for the question, Mick. I think um, I promised everyone a shout out if they sent a question in. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I definitely have like things I want to achieve, but I don't I'm really cautious about when I reach those things being like sort of losing purpose a little bit or feeling like what's next and then got to figure that out again and then go again. So like I feel like I do have goals and things I want to achieve in life obviously. And I actually have like a book where I've written like a full 10-year plan like what I want my life to be like. But I think that that's just a guideline. Like I don't define myself by reaching those goals. That makes sense. So yeah, I like, I like to take it day by day and like enjoy the journey more and like figure out how to make the journey more fun because it's like, we got to try and enjoy ourselves because yeah, it can just be a shit show sometimes. So just try and like make every day as fun as possible while sort of zigzagging your way to, some sort of loose plan. Yeah. I've found that. I'm sort of similar. Yeah. I still have goals, um, but I, I don't find that I attach time to them. Like a time because, frame. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, okay. mm. last thing I need is to start letting myself down and then if you get too attached to the goal and you don't achieve it, it's just it's knocking you down a, a peg mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just self-infliction. Mm. Um, and I don't know, I guess like, I, I do have long goals. Like I want to have, I want to bring my kids up the best I can, and like, but that that's not something I'm going to see until different stages of their life when they're mid middle teenagers, and then in their twenties when they also grow up, and all those sorts of things. And we've got financial goals, but yeah, I I set little ones, but not necessarily set them. I just like I would like to do that, and I don't give myself a time frame because. Mm-hmm. If I don't hit that, I don't want to feel bad about it. Uh, Next one. Hey, this is Jess. My question for Sophie is, if you could travel back in time to meet your younger self, what would you say to her? Do you have any advice? Oofed. Oofed. (laughs) 
Jess with the hard hitters. Um, I definitely would have some words. What they would be, I'd actually, I'd hope I'd have time to prep for them. But I think if I could just throw it out there, I'd probably say, I'd probably just be like, you are worthy of everything you desire and start, come into life with that in place and for certain. Because I think for a long time, I thought that I had, you know, a direction or a ambition or I don't know, even just something superficial that I desired and I thought not for them but not for me for a long time and I think that that held me back a lot. Yeah, this one's for Brocco. Obviously, something I've always wanted to know was if Robbie was still here and his passing hadn't have happened, what do you think you'd be doing with your, with your life now? Obviously, your interests have gone down the mental health route and helping people. Do you think that would still be the same or where do you think life would have led you? Yeah, that's a pretty good question. Um, <laughs> shout out, Benny. <laughs> shout out, Benny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, life obviously would look a lot differently. Um, mm. I, don't know, I could still be in you know England, living in London. Who knows? Um, but I've always loved helping people and um, watching others succeed. So I think I'd still be doing something in that kind of realm. Not too sure exactly what I'm doing. Whether you know that support work kind of role or you know a teacher role or. But I've always I have had a lot of passion for business as well. So I think it would just be tying in, yeah, with like what I'm passionate about and business as well, whether, you know, that's in the health and fitness industry and the business industry and just tying them together. But, um, yeah, I think life would look a lot differently, but I'd yeah, hopefully tell, just uh, follow down my passions and hopefully that'll lead me to my career. I'm lucky. I was wondering how I could be a better sibling. That's my question. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Lockie? <laughs> just, just ask the oh question. Oh, my God, Lockie. So, by the way, that's Lockie, uh, Sophie's... Brother. Younger brother? Older. Older brother. Oh, my God. It's funny because I have some things to say. <laughs> that you don't want to say? No, no, no. I'll say it. It's just... It's not one of those ones where it's just like, oh, no, you're perfect. For, but I would say we have the... Like, we have such a good relationship and um, and I fucking love it. But to be a better sibling, you could probably <laughs> just put yourself in my shoes a little bit more um, because I think it's really easy to – I think m- men and women, right, men are problem solvers and women are talkers and I feel like it's really important in any male and female relationship, not to say like that's always the case, but certainly with my male friends and with my brother, sometimes I just don't need you to like downplay what I'm dealing with. I just need you to listen. and kind of be on my side so I feel like I walk away from some of our conversations being like I'm not going to hold that against him because he was only trying to help and like I'm kind of pep talking that to not hold harbor any resentment but I would just love if he could just you know show up and me not have to convince him or anything yeah like kind of have to cut him some slack every time I want to talk about something love it but love you we do that what I think Wit sent me something ages ago, and now we do it. Is it? Is this one of those ones where I try and solve it? Yeah. Or is this one of those ones where I shut up and listen? Oh, exactly. Just before? a quick question. Pretty much, yeah. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I go straight into problem solving, and yeah. I'm like trying to solve it, and she'll be like, no, nah, it's one of those ones where you just listen. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh I need to do that with Jordan. <laughs> That's very helpful. That's yeah, great. It's good. Yeah. That's the one that I can do the Guys, we don't even know yeah. that yeah. it's something yeah, that yeah. we want. yeah. And I don't know. I found it helpful. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. How are we all? Luke O'Keefe here. Long time listener, first time caller. 
Uh, firstly, I'd just like to congratulate Elliot and the team there on track for season one at Mind Your Head. Um, you guys are doing a great job there. I look forward to seeing what you bring us in the episodes ahead. Uh, my question to everyone is, uh, since coming on Mind Your Head, uh, if and how has the vulnerability and you've shared uh, helped you have conversations with other people in your community and to the purpose of the podcast, how are those conversations helped in your relationships? Yeah, going back to vulnerability. Yeah, I guess living in a mine site, I actually don't know anyone outside my house. Mm. So um, I, I guess it's changed. I can now have different conversations with Annie, my wife. Oh, really? Which I probably didn't have. Yeah, we've talked about stuff since that podcast that we mm. probably haven't covered. Mm-hmm. But as far as how it changed with uh, mates, I, you know, I'm in a mine site, so mm. that hasn't changed, but certainly... Yep. Yeah, with mum it has, yeah. Shout out to MC Craig, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, like, me and Brocco doing the run club, Yeah, I'm a lot more open-minded to, like, listening now. Yeah. Um, after doing the podcast, I think. I was probably a little bit more closed off, and I'm trying to reach out a little bit more and, like, ask people, you know, how they are and have more than a service conversation. So, yeah, that's probably one thing that's... That helped me a little bit, just open up with people. Mm. Heaps of people are comfortable opening up with me now. (laughs) You're like, like, fuck off. No, no, (laughs) it's fine. No, no, I'll be an open book. But I don't know, maybe because I was so vulnerable that they have no issue saying whatever they were saying, which is good. It's a permission slip. You broke the barrier down, I think. Yeah. We were saying that let's get stopped in the street. And and say like how good that episode was. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Which mm. is the whole reason why I wanted to do it. Mm. The purpose. So yeah, just it's nice to hear that. And people just say whatever's wrong. And I don't I don't feel like it should be compared to anyone else's. Mm. Everyone's own battle is their and own. So. It goes back to what I was saying that what Bruno Brown was talking about. It's like it doesn't matter. Like these people, some of these people don't even know you, mm. and it's not about how smart you are or how mm. funny you are, but you've made them feel a certain way mm. by listening to your episode. And someone that doesn't know you listens to the episode and they feel like they just get you yeah. or you get them. Yeah. And it's like that instant connection that people can have when you're just being vulnerable with, vulnerable. with each other. That's yeah. how friendships are made as well, mate. Yeah. yeah, they feel seen. Hi, guys. Firstly, Elliot, we're loving the podcast. Keep up the good work. Our question to Brent is... If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Love you guys and we'll see you next year. Do you know who that is? Yeah. I thought it was mum. Christine. It's Christine. Yeah. Sound the exact same. Yeah, Sisters. Sisters. Mm. <laughs> who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, think I, I think I covered that question in our original podcast, I think. Yeah. I would just tell my younger self that... Um, <sighs> It would be okay. It'll work out. Yeah, if it was 13, it would be telling myself it'll be okay because yeah. it was a very tough period of my life. So Yeah, there's one more coming up for you. This is a question from Leslie for Brent. You've been known on occasions, Hags, over the years to be a somewhat prickly individual. I, however, have never found you to be anything other than a loyal, steadfast and loving friend. 
and we've been friends now for over 45 years. What would you say are the qualities that make you one of my best friends? Good question. That's my godparents. Right. Prickly. Mm. Prickly? <laughs> That's Can funny because I've been called prickly too. Yeah. <laughs> I think Leslie has always been genuine and goes back to, I guess, what I talked about, why would someone want to be my friend? And everything she talks about and every bit of, when we have conversations, she's genuinely interested in what I do and where I've been and my health and um, there's been nothing fake. There's been never any small talk. It is always good conversation. So um, that's probably what it is. It's, it's just, just just a good friend without any other agenda than, uh, than liking you and I could see that straight away and yeah. I think that's why we've been friends for 40 odd years. Nice. Hey guys, Mitch here. My question for Lucky is, what advice would you give to a friend whose mate is clearly dealing with something but they're unwilling to open up and talk to you about it? They're internalising all of the issues and making bad choices or developing bad habits as a result. What can a friend do to get his mate to open up? Is it just a case of being there, or is there something he should have done differently? Shout out to Mitchy. Hey, mate. Love ya. <laughs> um, I think that's a really good question and one that's kind of hard to answer, and it's kind of like a case by case again. Like, I think that if it's your friend, you kind of know. Um, how you can approach them and I think that if you're trying to help that person have a think about how that person reacts to situations before you approach them about anything I think the biggest thing you need to be conscious of is when you see your friends going through tough times don't feel sorry for them because they don't feel sorry for themselves because they don't know that that in that situation they're just caught in it right so don't go into it trying to help them necessarily. Like, go into it trying to be supportive and trying to have real conversations with them. And then I think the second element of it is trying not to lead with the issue. So don't lead with, oh, I see you struggling or I see you this. Because that, what that does is it just makes people close up. So I think that the best advice I can give you is, A, make sure that, if you're not spending a lot of time with that person, um, spend more time with them so that you can get in a space where they start to feel comfortable with you again So because they're trying to distance themselves, right? So I think, A, yes, definitely spend more time with them. And then secondly, how you broach um, the things you're worried about with them, you have to, again, like I said, understand how that person's going to react if you do ask them about those things and then structure what you're going to say to them around that. So if it's if it's like Brock, for instance, right, like I can have just an open conversation with Brock but it's usually when we're sitting around like the dinner table or something and he's pretty happy because he's just cooked like the best salmon bowl ever. <laughs> so he's pretty stoked with himself. So he's in a Does, pretty, he, does he sit <laughs> down and just go, ah. Yeah, he's just like, you know, he's I think in a Luke good mood. more stoked than I am. <laughs> yeah, you would be. Yeah, I am. Because it's free. But like then I know like me and Brock always have good conversations over the dinner table, whereas when we're in social environments, we probably don't chat that much that openly. We're just like, hey, mate, how are you? Like have a beer, get out of there. 
Um, so I think it's about knowing how to what situation to approach that person in. So where are they most comfortable? Like approach them there and then meet them there doing the thing that they love doing, do it with them and enjoy it with them. And then that's where you're going to find like common ground. And An opening. Can, yeah, mm. they'll open. Mm. They'll open up in yep. that scenario. So that's the best advice I can probably give for, for that, yeah. Hi, mate. So thank you, Elliot, for giving me the opportunity to ask the boys as well as uh, Brandos and Sophie um, a few questions today. So, and also thank you to you, Elliot, for uh, providing us with this platform. So as for me personally, it's felt like a bit of a home away from home. You know, hearing some stories about you know best mates who we've been friends for for over 20 years, um, and I'd never heard these stories in my life. So, mate, I really appreciate that, and it's uh, definitely been a very heartwarming experience for me to be able to listen to you know such familiar voices from week to week. Um, so, my questions today. Uh, first one's going to be for Lefers. So it's a bit of a two-part question. So you mentioned that in Afghan you felt quite dead inside already, um, as well as in Sydney when you're ready to call it quits and you know commit the uh, you know commit suicide, which you know I'm super glad you didn't because you know I, I love you lots and I hope that um, you know your mindset's completely changed from that now. But what I want to know is what are the two different feelings emotionally, physically, and spiritually between those two scenarios? Do you want to answer that first? Yeah. Shout out to Yems. Do you know what he was... Love James. Yeah. You understood yeah, that? Yeah, I understand what he's saying. I've never thought about it like that, yeah. I guess, to answer it verbally. Um, uh, when I was overseas, I think I was accepting death as a coping mechanism for fear and what directly was in front of me physically, which could get me. Mm. And I felt like I had to do that to mentally and physically get over whatever I was conducting, which was searching. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like that, in doing that, also affected me when I returned. But I think it is a bit different from what, and that's why I was asking, I think it was a bit different. It felt different. Like me accepting death overseas, it made me feel confident. When I wanted to die when I was back it was yeah I don't really know how to say it was it was was sort of like one was accepting it so I wouldn't die Mm. and then when I was back it was like I wanted to die you wanted yeah so it was yeah it was two different things but I think the first one that occurred overseas brought on the the second one Um, but for different reasons one was to survive, the other one was... Not to. Not to survive. And then secondly, um, is more in regards to your time in Afghan. So, you know, I don't know whether you've analysed or not um, whether or not you could have gone into the position with IEDs in a different headspace, in a different mindset, something that you could potentially help you know, other soldiers with in future um, to not come out of... You know their time in war was such a um, complex and, and conflicted mindset of you know life and death. Um, yeah, if 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 that's even possible. So that's my question for uh, for Leffers. So like, could you have instead of the ability to go, all right, I'm gonna accept that I'm gonna die, and that calms you to do your job. 
have you ever looked back at it and gone, was there another option for me to take that would help me do my job apart from the fact that I'm going to face death and you know how you talked about killing your soul? Yeah. Was there, no. do you think there could be another option? I don't think so at the time. At the time? No. Nah. What, what, like, realistically, what else was there? Like, I sort of felt like I had to convince myself and accept the fact that I was going to die because it was so nerve-wracking and, like, real, I guess. Otherwise, you're just sort of out of body. You're not, you're not in the presence. Mm. And I, it's funny he brings that up. I, I wouldn't think I could think of anything else. And i actually been doing an audio book for World War Two at the moment. And some of the soldiers' writings in the book from there, and I'm not comparing my situation to them, but a lot of them had accepted death as well, and and that was, and I was like, oh, right. So maybe in that situation where it is so prevalent that it's a high chance of dying, it might be the only option, and mm. to deal with it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I really don't have an answer for it. If I did, I'd be a billionaire, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's still ongoing, isn't it? Like, it's still an issue, so I don't really have an answer for it. That's all right. Yeah. Okay, we'll keep moving on. For Chris, um, you know, in your podcast, you spoke a lot about your relationship with mum, but for me, I wanted to know whether... You know, uh, there was anything that you'd like to say to Pete. I know you guys have a pretty good relationship now, but uh, if there's anything that you could, you wanted to say to him, um, and open up to him, you know, that if you haven't already done so directly. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy. Uh, love you, mate. Miss ya. Um, yeah, that's probably like the thing that hits my like heartstrings the hardest. That question, which. Fuck you, Zaya. <laughs> um, but yeah, me and Dad's just like, you know, when I think about him, I just, um, makes, just makes me emotional because we've been through so much stuff. But I think the thing that I want to say to Dad is I'm super proud of you. I think a lot of people, um, say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I think that I'm proud of my dad for identifying what he could have lost, um, by, you know, through all his anger problems when he was younger and, like, you guys all know my dad now. He's just an awesome human being. Mm. And I think to have the mental fortitude, the strength and the amount of love that he had for us as a family to literally change who he was as a person fundamentally to stay in our lives is, like, the like the truest form of, like, love I've ever seen in my life. Um, so, to yeah, to dad, I just, like... I really respect you for that. I think not many people can do that. Um, And when I think about you and I look at you, um, sorry. Yeah, when I think about you and I look at you, I just, I'm just so proud. Like, yeah, I just, you're you're a really good example for a lot of people. And um, yeah, just man to man, just proud of you. Like, for doing that and uh yeah like so happy i'm in your life and i just want to spend more and more time with you as i get older so yeah love you pete um yeah for brent uh any advice as a father um who you know grew up with such a traumatic experience 
um, to give to us younger generation who are potentially looking to raise kids in the future? Uh, any advice you would give to us in terms of, you know, from your own personal experience now as a father, is there anything that you would have done differently uh, growing up that, uh, you know, that you've learned along the way that might differ from how you had raised Elliot and, uh, and Fletch and, and also um, and Sam? I think it's, for me, it's probably, this is just me, I'm sure you're more compassionate than me, but certainly if I had my time again, it would be more patience, more compassion. Um, it's something I've also learned is embrace the good moments, absolutely take them and love them, because um, sometimes there aren't that many. If it's two o'clock in the morning and you've got to start work at five and she's been crying all night, that's a tough gig. But if you, that's a bad time, but the good times are so much better. Embrace the good times. Compassion, empathy, patience. Mm -hmm. uh, so for Brock, um, you've always been a bit of a cornerstone of strength for your family during very tough times of grief. I think especially for Butch, um, someone who's might have been affected more so because he's you know, the youngest of the family. But you know, also for him to look up to you as a brother, as a role model, and also potentially his best friend. Anything that you want to say to him which might be extremely tough for you to say to him face-to-face. -face. Um, that's a pretty good one, actually. <laughs> I really thought about it. Because um, I guess when it all happened, um, putting myself in my brother's shoes, I think it would have been a, a, you know, a completely different scenario because I was overseas, my sister was away, my brother was at the house when it all went down. So um, I think he dealt with it a lot differently than I dealt with it. Um, he probably, you know, turned a bit more to the drugs and the partying and dealt with it all that way. And, yeah, he's a bit closed off in that sense and hard to talk to. So I think all I'd, I'd probably say to him is that um, that I'm here for him if he, if he ever needs it. And yeah, if he ever um, wants to talk, I'm here. And, yeah, I, I don't know, just being that big brother, I think, I'll, I'll do my best to help him any way I can and that I'm just here for him. Love mm. it. Um, this is normally the time that we end the show, but I love surprises. Um, did you want to? Yeah, I'll yeah, do the So, honest. Kristen. Kristen, I'm lucky. <laughs> You're coming on. <laughs> 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 yes. yes. Yeah, baby. Can't <laughs> <laughs> wait. Oh, how good. The old switcheroo. The old switcheroo. <laughs> grab, oh, grab a seat. Headphones on. Do you know how to use them? <laughs> So I just want to say and introduce Kristen to all the listeners and, and viewers at home is um, she's been someone that's had front row seat to everyone's episode. She's been in the room and she's um, experienced all the emotion, um, all the vulnerability firsthand. So what's it been like for you being in here the last year almost, watching all the episodes? Has there been one that's really resonated with you? Um, I think all of them. Wrong uh, answer. You've got that answer's a choice of four. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I like everyone's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love you all. Um, yeah, it's been an experience, definitely triggering mm. for me at times. Yeah. Um, but no, it's been amazing and I love like what you're doing and all of you coming in and just speaking your truth and being vulnerable and mm -hmm. it's amazing 
So I've got some final questions. Okay. For you. For me, wow. Hey, this is Megan. My question is for Quiz, Carol, love of my life, also known as Kristen. My question for you is what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Just want to also let you know I am constantly proud of you and always cheering for you near or far. Lots of love. Love you, Megan. What could you do? What would I do if I couldn't, couldn't fail? fail? Fuck. Fuck. Um, if you couldn't fail. I mean, I don't know. I don't really. Mm. What's that? It's a good way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like view failure. I don't know. I don't really think failure is a thing. Like, I don't think you really can fail. For me, failure is like not trying or not living life to the fullest. It's not about outcome. It's about how you. Yeah, live it's your about life doing it. Yeah, like just if yeah, if you're to me, failing would be living a life that doesn't feel right but is comfortable, mm. rather than trying things and seeing what happens as opposed to not doing it because of the fear of failing. I think not doing it would be a failure, but I don't know what I would do if I... It's a very broad question. One more for you. Hey, this is Caleb, and my question for Kristen is, what is the biggest thing you've learnt this year and how has it changed your life? Probably, like, I've still had moments of not backing myself, but I think I've done enough in the last 12 months to build evidence that I can do whatever I put my mind to and yeah I I think that's obviously changed my life in the sense that although things may be scary and I may take time to think about a new opportunity or taking the next big leap I know that I will be able to do it and I will be okay and even though it might be scary just to do it because I can Love it. I do want to say quickly, um, just a big thank you to you um, and to you, Soph. It's been one of the, this has been one of the best experiences I've ever had. Um, and I can't thank you two enough. It's been such a, such a ride and you've taught me so much. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure coming in the studio um, for the last, you know, nine, 10 months. And, um, You've given me such confidence and um, you've created such a safe space here that, uh, yeah, I just, I love it. It's um, really changed my life. It's changed uh, the relationships I've had with people in my life. Uh, Yeah, so I can't wait for season two. This is not the end. Um, And going with that, thank you, uh, Soph, Lef, uh, Chris, Brock, Dad. Um, We also had Zoe, Joel, Ryan, Travis uh, and Jordan actually came on the podcast. Uh, yeah, thanks, thank you so much. It was, it was really tough, like asking you guys to come on and knowing where we were going to go with this conversation. And it showed a lot of courage and a lot of bravery, bravery from you guys. And um, yeah, like I was saying before, the vulnerability that everyone showed. It's not only helped our relationship between us, but just from the responses and the feedback you guys have had, it's obviously had a ripple, ripple effect on the community. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on and 
sharing this journey with me and this experience and it's something that I'll remember forever. Yeah, Thanks, heaps. So. Going back to you, Hagsy. Mm. Proud of you for taking the leap. It's been amazing to watch this whole season unfold and all the interviews with all the boys. It's definitely, I think, brought us a lot closer and, and yeah, hopefully given hope to others out there, you know, that might be in similar situations to open up and get a little bit more vulnerable as well. So that's what it's all about and, yeah, can't wait for season two. Yeah, and same with me. I think it's not just what you've offered us, but also your own personal growth, uh, mental health, and where the, the, the quantum leap you've made from, you know, uh, probably three years ago to where you are now is probably the most impressive thing I think I've experienced and seen. And certainly, Mum and I are looking forward to being back here mm. in December. Yeah, the word proud. Yeah, yeah. very proud. Yeah, of proud. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. yeah, yeah. Done a good we job. love you, mate. You're doing yeah, a great really job. Well. Thanks, mate. Yeah. A little. I've had people who don't know you, I haven't met yet, and then they like talk to me about the podcast and what I said. And they go, Oh, that Elliot guy? <laughs> I'm like, Yeah. Oh, he seems like a real good bloke. Yeah, I'm like, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, like the, that's like the cafe. Yeah. You told people to like, all the customers at the cafe about the podcast and they start listening to yeah, it. Yeah. like, oh, we love Elliot. Yeah. <laughs> such a good podcast voice. Yeah. 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 There's, a, there's a feeling that I have um, never felt before and it's something that I've always heard and I've always wondered what it would really feel like and it was true fulfillment. I never knew what that felt like or what that would feel like. Until I did the podcast, it was feeling so proud of myself and um, really fulfilled of everything that we've created together. And um, I know that you and mum have always been proud of me, but this is the first time that I felt like I've done something to make you proud of me. And I know that it's it's probably, the more I've thought about that, is it something that I'm making you proud or is it something that I'm now finally proud of myself for achieving? At all the things that I've achieved, whether it be rugby and sport, I've never looked back and gone, I'm really proud of myself for that until now. This is the, this is the first time I can sit back and go, that's something that I'm really proud of how I handled that and what I achieved doing this. I think for us it's the look in your face because – even through your entire rugby playing days, I don't remember too many times you've walked off the paddock with a smile. You've walked off the paddock with your footy gear in your bag and in the back of the car and said, let's go. Mm. And this is the first time you've had a, a love for something and the, the smile is huge. So we're proud of you for finding something in your life that genuinely makes you happy and to look forward to going to. Whereas I'm, I was never quite convinced that rugby made it might have been on the field, but certainly it didn't carry on to off the field. That was a great, you know, you love that experience. I didn't ever get that feeling. Whereas this makes me feel as if mm. you found your position. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Let's wrap Thank it you. up and go. Thank home. you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs>